The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're just starting now a new series of podcasts based on the 25 years of Ravens history we've had to date. And we're trying to get some off the beaten path topics to discuss here for the very first one is our friend Justin, otherwise known to most of you probably as Engraven Vids. Justin, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Why don't you tell us what your topic is? I won't introduce it for you. <laughs> okay. Well, I just wanted to um, talk about how smooth uh, the transition has been for the Ravens um, from one quarterback to another, especially one franchise quarterback to another. Uh, because when you see a lot of other franchises and they go through the process of having to go from one franchise quarterback to another, uh, a lot of times they'll have to tear things down from top to bottom. They'll have to start from scratch and they'll have to go through a lot of losing in order to get back to winning again. But the thing that I've seen with the, that we've all seen with the Ravens is that the process was, was seamless. It was one of the smoothest transitions that I've ever seen. And it's something that I feel like we, we should definitely appreciate. Yeah. It's if, if we're not really appreciating this historically efficient offense per cap dollar spent in particular for the last three years of Jackson, we're missing mm-hmm. out because they've still had a great defense and, and, you know, been very successful near the top of the league every year, but they've, mm-hmm. but they've had an offense that's been very inexpensive. Nobody really making a lot of money until Ronnie Stanley's contract came along. 
Oh, that's a good point that I didn't even think about. So that's true. Yeah, they have um, they have been a a budget friendly offense, but yeah, like you said, very very efficient both on the field and, and via the cap too. See, you, you made another good point there about how most teams have a have a trough they typically have to go through when they switch quarterbacks because you go from an experienced quarterback usually, and usually the decline is evident when you're finally ready to get rid of that guy because quarterbacks are hard to find and they're, they're mm-hmm. expensive to get in the draft. So you usually are already headed downhill. And then when you make the change, you have oftentimes a rookie who it doesn't really click for him right away in terms of joining the NFL. Very mm-hmm. different in the case of the Ravens. Right. Very, very different. Um, and, and specifically speaking with uh, when the Ravens went from Flacco uh, to Lamar Jackson um, and we're in the era that we're in now for the Ravens and their, their entire offense, uh, with Joe Flacco, uh, he was, of course, their, their franchise quarterback, really their their first like official, official franchise mm-hmm. quarterback. Um, he gave them consistency. He uh, it, it was crazy because with Joe Flacco, Every year we knew like going into week one, all right, Joe Flacco is going to be our guy um, all up until he wasn't anymore. Of course, after the they traded him to the Broncos. But um, with, with the transition from him to Lamar, it, of course, happened due to injury, unfortunately. Uh, but the Ravens, for them, the way that they did it, it was just and you hear this word used a lot of times when when people speak about the Ravens, particularly about their offense. Uh, unorthodox mm-hmm. um, it was just very different how they did things because usually when you're bringing in a rookie quarterback you you want to groom him you you want to show him the ropes you want to have him sort of uh sit on the bench for a while while he learns from the uh the the veteran quarterback but with Lamar um they once Flacco got injured I think it was Stefan Tua that injured him in that Steelers game I forget who but mm-hmm. either way uh once Flacco got injured uh, and it was Lamar's time they literally went all in with Lamar. And I remember that week, like leading up to it, I was thinking, okay, uh, I know Ravens, they they typically won't go with the, the young guy, like the rookie over a veteran. They'll probably put in RG3. And I couldn't be mad at them because that would be a more safe option or whatnot, but they went all in with Lamar. And for them to do that, that took a lot of guts. <laughs> and um, it, But it did show that they trusted what they could put together, the offense that they could put together, uh, for Lamar Jackson, for the Ravens to be successful. So I just, I love how they did that. Yeah, I, I, it was very well done. And and it really, it was a short injury for Flacco because Flacco was available to play about two or three weeks later again. But it was also a very short decision. And, and they didn't look back from it. They said, yeah, we're rolling with Lamar and that's uh, that's where we're going. And he led them to a couple big wins. That big win in comeback fashion against Cincinnati. They were down eight at one point in that game at home. And they came back. It's an interesting little side note to this is that uh, Gus Edwards scored the, t- the, the game tying touchdown, the eventual, the, the, the one that brought him from eight down to two down. Then he scored the two point extra point conversion. And then he, he had to go on to cover the kickoff, which is one of the weirdest <laughs> sequences I've ever, I've ever seen. But I, I remember that game well. And Lamar led him to that win. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, honestly, for the rest of the year, they were a juggernaut of a running offense that no mm-hmm. one could stop. Yeah, that's true. That that running game was it was insane. Um, and then, of course, the following year, it got even stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that you touched on with uh, with the Ravens, how they they really they really put all their trust in Lamar and they, they didn't look back. Um, the Probably the biggest moment that year where we really saw that 
was in the playoff game. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because in that playoff game, uh, of course, Lamar Jackson, that offense was struggling big time. It was just they were flat. And I remember being there. And a lot of the people that I was sitting around, they were like, oh, they need to put Flacco in. And, of course, we, we know how Flacco is in the playoffs. We know mm-hmm. he just – I don't know what it is, but he turns into a different animal in the playoffs. So I could understand why they would want to have him put him in. But at the same time, I was thinking, no, you, you can't do that. You can't do that to your quarterback, especially if this is going to be your guy in the future. You need to show, all right, we're rolling with you, Lamar. You're going to be the guy we're sticking with you through thick and thin. Um so that was I, I just I really appreciated that they let Lamar go through those lows in that playoff game because that helped him moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that probably did help him in terms of confidence going into 2019. And I was there. I thought the same thing as you. I, I, I thought uh, actually I thought I, I really thought I had the other side of that coin. I think I, I was saying, boy, they're really going to have to think about putting Flacco in. But when I really look at the way that developed for San Diego in that game, all those defensive backs. The, the teams that have given Flacco a lot of trouble over the years have been those four-man rush teams where they sit back in defense and Flacco doesn't really have an answer to, to, to pick their defense apart. Um, so if, if getting four-man pressure is usually a way to win football games. Lamar was the guy who could get them out of that problem. And, and I'm, I'm very happy that Harbaugh realized it didn't make the change. And I think it did pay dividends the next year. And obviously, it was a hell of an exciting second half coming back and almost almost getting back in that ballgame. Mm. Yeah, almost, because I remember the uh, the touchdown to, uh, I think it was Crabtree, um, and I think he got the two-point conversion, too, I want to say, but it, it just, that was, it was just a crazy game, and then the, uh, one of the biggest plays, just speaking from that game specifically, was when, I forget the Chargers running back name, but he, it looked like he fumbled, and then I think Marlon Humphrey scooped and scored, took it back for a touchdown, but they called it down, and oh, it was, it was heartbreaking, that game was so rough. Um, I forget who the running back was, though. Isn't it, isn't it funny how we always like really cling on the playoff losses as fans? I mean, I think I think we are professional worry warts in, <laughs> in terms of the work you and I do, Justin. But but we 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 literally we feed off this, and it's what we talk about. And already, I'm talking about Ravens history and trying to get ideas for shows. And three of them come back are about the 2006 playoff loss, the 2011 playoff loss, and now a heavy segment of that, although it's not the main topic in this 2018 playoff loss. Mm. So and anyway, and speaking of that, just really briefly, that I, I think, in my opinion, that 2011, that was the worst playoff loss ever in my, or mm. not the worst, but the most painful one because yeah. you just felt like the team was just so right for and ready for the Super Bowl, but yeah, we all know how that ended up. Yeah, it, it was painful. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the 2006 playoff loss was the worst for me. That team, I I had all the confidence that they were going to go all the way. They were the favorite, you know, coming into that game to 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 win the Super Bowl at that point. Uh, just it was an incredibly upsetting loss, and we had to see people, uh, professional people for for you know for work after it, and I could not bring myself to inflict myself on them. So I just mm. I skipped the event because I, I was like, okay. They're going to hate me if they have to see me out in terms of what's going on because I'm I'm really upset about this. So I, I want to I want to take this back for a second and okay. let's talk about the round trip cost of installing Joe Flacco as the franchise quarterback and maybe compare that to Lamar in some ways because it's it's been it was a lot more expensive with Flacco mm. and I, I'll start with the thought that the Ravens expended significantly more draft capital to get Flacco. They had. Uh, I forget what pick it was after the year. Maybe it was the sixth or fifth overall pick. They traded down and got him at, at they traded down to 26 and then came back up and got him at 18. 18. Um, mm-hmm. So 
more draft capital, significantly more than mm-hmm. drafting Lamar at 32 for starters. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I believe they actually tried to trade up and get Matt Ryan, but it didn't work out. Um, but, yeah, with Flacco, yeah, starting from right there, um, him being the 18th pick versus Lamar being a 32nd pick, uh, that makes a big difference, especially uh, when it comes to the contract value, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that does definitely cost a little bit more money. Um, and, and with, with Flacco, I think, uh, just with his, with them really installing him as the franchise quarterback, it was a much different scenario, uh, because of that in itself, he was project, he was supposed to wait. He was supposed to be on the bench, um, as a rookie quarterback, he wasn't even supposed to be the starter Mm -hmm. yet, but of course, Troy Smith, he ended up getting tonsillitis, uh, and insert Flacco. Flacco Wally pipped him. Yeah, he was right in there. It's just like Lou Gehrig supposedly got replaced all those years ago. But uh, uh, it, it was good. It was another good transition and one led by Harbaugh as well, where he said, we're not looking back from this and trying to go back to Troy Smith either, because mm-hmm. I think that would also have been the wrong call. Um, it's uh, it's interesting that Flacco's initial contract had a lot of those same golden qualities that Lamar's had. And I, I don't want to forget that because, you know, it's easy to remember some of Joe Flacco's less successful later years mm-hmm. and say, hey, this didn't work out and the Ravens weren't making the playoffs and this and that. But the Ravens made the playoffs all five of his first seasons mm-hmm. and he became the most successful road quarterback in NFL playoff history yeah. uh, during that time. And, and you know, we, we can't forget that. It's true that, um, you know, the, after after he really signed the contract in 13, there was a whole nother level of cost to Joe Flacco. But I don't want to forget mm-hmm. those first five years and how magical they were and how much that allowed us to spend money on the defense. That's true, because the Ravens, they were able to put together some really, really good teams. Um, they they had powerhouses, especially on defense, like Ray Lewis, name alone, of course, Ed Reed, Lodi Nada, uh, Terrell Suggs, um, Kerry Williams, Jimmy Smith eventually. Um, Jim, Le- I mean, we, we could go down a long yeah. list of names, but yeah, when you have a quarterback on his rookie contract and somebody that uh, initially Flacco, there was some rough patches, of course, there was a, mm-hmm. some growing pains and whatnot, but they did have as a team, they had that success. I think his rookie year, they went to the AFC championship game and that's where they lost to the Pittsburgh the Steelers. Steelers. Yep. Yeah, and and they the thing with Flacco under Flacco and the Ravens back then, yeah, like you said, the first five years they not only made the playoffs, but the first five years in each year they won a playoff game as well. Um, so that was huge. That that was big. And, and yeah, you um you really brought up a really good point too about John Harbaugh again with how he went with the rookie quarterback. He had somebody with a little more experience, but he went with the rookie quarterback. And then even when the, uh, the guy with a little more experience got healthy again, he stuck with the rookie quarterback in Joe Flacco. Um, and that's something a lot of times I, I often don't even uh, think about um, back then because, yeah, Harbaugh just repeated the same thing again with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, kudos to Harbaugh for that. Yeah, very. You know, there's another kind of similarity between the two transitions is that they really did it with a very strong running game in 2008. They, they, uh, yes. By the way, the 08 to 9 offensive lines, just incredible. The best in Ravens history, in my opinion. In fact, that 09 team, which is not really remembered as the best of those five teams, I think they probably were. They only went 9 and 7. They lost some games they shouldn't have lost, but that offensive line was the best in Ravens history. And, it, and it's really uh, remarkable 
to think about, I mean, if you think about that offensive line of Gaither at left tackle, who was actually good. People don't remember that in 08, 09, Gaither was actually good before he lost his desire to play football and whatnot. And then with Grubbs, um, uh, Burke, and Yonda in the middle, compare that to our current guys, for example. And then Willie Anderson at right tackle in 2009, and then Michael Orr in 2009 replacing him, uh, who had a really good rookie year. His, his mm-hmm. career kind of ended up being a ski slope after that, but he had a very good rookie year. Yeah, yeah, they, they, and that's where everything starts is right up front. Uh, if you, no matter how good or bad your quarterback is, if you don't have the offensive line to protect him, then it's, it's just not going to work. But like a good point that you just mentioned too, uh, the running game. With the running game being so strong, that makes the process that much easier uh, for any rookie quarterback that's coming in. And that alleviates a lot of the pressure that would be on a rookie quarterback, too. Um, So that that takes a lot of weight off of their shoulders of having to sort of carry the load uh, and they can just hand it off to one of their backs. I think that's that's been true of the, the running game has been a big contributor. And in both cases, the Ravens had excellent defenses in 2008 and in 2018 and 19, both uh, in 19. I mean, Jackson would have won with that kind of year, regardless of what defense he had. But it was he was that much. The Ravens were that much more extraordinary because they had a very good defense in 18. Um, the, the defense and winning the snap count battle as they did during his last seven starts of the year um, in eight, including the playoffs was, was really important. That was, uh, you know, he, he benefited greatly from just how, how well the defense was playing. Uh, Flacco in 08, you know, was playing for a historically good defense as well. And, and they really used him appropriately. They, they gave him a fairly short leash. They didn't allow him to strangle himself with it. And, and he didn't for the most part. Yeah, that's true. Um, and and with Joe Flacco, like you, you remind me, um, I forget which year it was. I don't believe it was 2008. I, I want to say 2009. What was the year that Flacco, with the Ravens, they went to the playoffs, of course, but they mm-hmm. played the Patriots in New England. Yep. Oh, nine. All, okay, it was 09. All right. And, and that, like, I, I forget exactly how many pass attempts Flacco had, but it was a Ten. crazy low number. They, okay, there you go. Because... <laughs> 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 Yeah. They literally like ran all first play of the game was like the 80 yard touchdown run from Ray Rice. So they literally ran all over the Patriots and that made Flacco's job, especially that day, that much easier. And of course, the defense, they made plays as well. So yeah. to your points, I, I quote that game so many times. The Ravens ran 52 times and for many years in scoring offensive line play, Marshall Yonda pulled 19 times in that ball game. And that was the most for many years of anybody. But now the, some of the Roman offenses, they've, they've had Bozeman pull that many times in a game. So it's kind of cool. Hmm. Uh, anyway, the, the, uh, uh, the other thing about Flacco we need to hit on is then the difficulty in going from that first to second contract and what that means in terms of kind of a lingering effect. And obviously, we haven't yeah. got there yet for Lamar, mm-hmm. but, but the, the back-end cost of getting rid of the franchise quarterback can be very high. Yeah, that's true because uh, you with the salary cap, it, it like the NFL loves to say, it creates parity. Um, it mm-hmm. creates parity and, and it just forces change. Uh, you always have to make difficult decisions every year as GMs in the front office. Uh, you have to keep some players and you, of course, have to let some players go. Uh, and with the franchise quarterback, especially one who was – what was Flacco actually on, like his third contract, I think? Yeah, he's still, a, still on a second. They extended him a couple times, but they but that was to, to get the cap going. So they, they put him in – they put him on a new contract in 2013 that was a six-year deal, would have gone through right. 18. 
And so I guess that he ended, you know, there, but he still had years left on his contract when he left that had to be uh, effectively accelerated. That bonus money had to be accelerated. And, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty substantial cap hit with the Ravens had to take when they had to get rid of him. Yeah. And um, but and that just goes to show that they were really all in uh, on Lamar Jackson, really actually moving forward uh, and moving on from Joe Flacco. Uh, but with with the salary cap, um, dead money. If you when you're willing to take on that dead money uh, and because Ravens ever since the whole Ray Rice thing, um, I think that was the biggest amount of dead money that they may have ever had to well recently had to uh, absorb. Uh, but they have been dealing with the Ray Rice thing for a while. Um, and then for them to add the uh, Joe Flacco dead money to everything that that said a lot about where they were with uh, Lamar Jackson and, and where they were with uh, Joe Flacco as well. Um, and of course, I, I do appreciate how they, uh, and because they've always been a respectable franchise, but how they traded Joe Flacco, they didn't just trade him anywhere. They traded him to the Broncos, and it was a team that was still in a good position to have some success at that time. Yeah, it's, I, I, I still root for Joe Flacco when I see him playing for the Jets or, or Broncos or wherever. I just, I, I'm, uh, he, he's a part of Ravens history. He's going to be a member of the Ring of Honor and deservedly so. He, he, he did a great job. Some people would say he's on the, on the Rushmore still. I don't know if I'd really put him there at this point for, for the Ravens with all the great defenders they've had. But it, it's, it's very unfair to treat Joe, uh, you know, Joe Flacco poorly because Lamar has been better. Right. I, yeah. One one thousand percent agree, um, because a lot of people, a lot, a lot of fans, they feel like, oh, if if you like Lamar, you can't like Joe Flacco. If you like Joe Flacco, you can't like Lamar. And no, it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Both of them were Ravens quarterbacks. Both of them have had success. Of course, we're, we're still waiting for Lamar to achieve that ultimate success. But mm-hmm. it's OK to root for both of them. Yeah, it really is. And that's a that's a great point there. You know, I think that really, you know, when we talk about the other quarterbacks in Ravens history, I don't think there were any really hard buyouts at any point. I would just read the, read the thing. They went from Testaverde to Harbaugh to Scott Mitchell for two games, unbelievably, <laughs> uh, you know, to Tony Banks, who wasn't making a ton of money when they got him. And then to Dilfer as a backup for 2000. Then they, then they let him go. Of course, the other one that cost him a lot of money was Elvis Gerback. And he came signed effectively to a five-year deal that was either going to be a five or one in terms of its structure, meaning they had a r- relatively uh, cheap out after one year. And fortunately, I think, um, they they chose that way, uh, but but the contracts of Elvis Gerback and and also Leon Searcy, who never played a game for the Ravens, hmm. really accelerated that purge and made that team have to uh, unload pretty much everybody prior to that 2002 season. Uh, still one of the exciting seasons in Ravens history in my book. I've I've enjoyed them all, even even the losing ones. But that 2002 team, uh, you know, played above their heads, frankly, and they were the starters for years to come after that. Yeah, and that was that the year that they tried to keep everybody. Where they tried to keep everybody on the cap. So oh one, they they tried to keep everybody, make another run mm-hmm. of the Super Bowl. They made the playoffs, right. then they lost at Pittsburgh. But oh two, they had to cut everybody. And and when I say everybody, they kept they kept Bullware, they kept Lewis, they still had McCrary for one more year. But it's basically it's the whole new generation of defenders. It's Weaver and Reed and Demps. And oh, Kelly Gregg getting their first chances, you know, mm-hmm. all in 2002. There's more than that, but but mm-hmm. Dallas Thomas would be another good one who really getting his first significant playing time in 2002. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, I, I, I say the, the great organizations don't fear change. 
you go ahead and you turn it over when you need to turn it over and, and yeah. you know, you get good players. And that, that reminds me, I know we're kind of jumping back and forth from back then to now, uh, but you talked about how, uh, yeah, the great organizations don't fear change. That reminds me of Eric DaCosta. Um, one thing that I, I see with him as a GM is that, yeah, he doesn't fear change and that he is not afraid to make a decision early uh, rather mm-hmm. than late. Um, and that's where it comes to giving somebody an extension, giving somebody a contract extension, or if it comes to uh, cutting somebody or trading somebody away, uh, he's not afraid to make those decisions. Right. Very, very value based. Let him walk if, if he doesn't think that they're worth as much to the to the Ravens. And, you know, it, it, that causes heartbreaking decisions for the fans. Mm-hmm. And it really is. I mean, I didn't want to see Matt Judon go. I certainly didn't want to see Sidarius Smith go. I didn't want to see uh, McPhee go the first time when he when he left. They're painful guys to lose. Uh, heartbreaking, frankly. But but they're part of the cost of doing business in the NFL. And the good teams know when to say goodbye in terms of value and trust their young talent. Exactly. And yeah, tough, tough decision. It weighs, it has to weigh on uh, him as a GM too. Because with Eric DeCosta, I mean, you know, he, he's been around the, the, the Ravens for forever. Um, and of course, you, you build relationships with, with people. Mm-hmm. It, wherever you work um, enough times, it's hard to sort of separate, not necessarily separate, but it can be hard not to build relationships. A lot of these people that you see at work, you see them more than you see your family. So you're going to build relationships with people. They they end up becoming family with you. But um, so that, that that's got to be tough as a GM uh, to be able to separate, to make those business decisions uh, for people who you end up being close with. Yeah, there you go. All right. So great discussion. I uh, really appreciate having you on, Justin, about this QB transition talk. And mm-hmm. as always, we have a little bit of organic discussion about other topics. And I really appreciate that as well. Tell folks where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, same Raven vids. Uh, team keep it clean. With we do daily videos about the Ravens. Uh, we just talk about the NFL in general as well. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, everything there, and TikTok as well as Engraven vids too. All right, fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. This was fun. And we'll talk to you next time on Thanks. Film Study. <laughs> save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.